new intro music. Yeah. And then you're picking a Seattle upset. We, stick around and find out. I just want to keep a log of your decisions mm -hmm. as we continue through. Is this going to be one of those show. episodes where you start asking me what color the sky is in my universe? It may or may not be. And, Tim and might guys, have to the show you. belongs to you. It always has. Ladies and gentlemen, True. welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports. I am uh, one half of your hosting duties. The face that runs the place, Nick Huffman, as always, joined by the brain that runs the game, Mike Mensing. How you doing, pal? I'm doing all right, man. I uh, was running a little late this morning, but sometimes uh, you just got to ride the wave and it pushes you a direction you don't want to go, but that, that, it'll, it'll be okay. Is that a shout out my intro music? Sure. Wow. Already. Already. Um, we got a big show for you guys this week. I'm glad to have you with us, Mike. Why don't you run them through what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, as always, guys, we do have a big show for you today. Uh, we're going to do a Vikings view with a special guest from KSTP TV, Chris Long. Nice. Uh, we're going to do Wild Wolf Watch. Uh, we're going to look at the NFL playoff picture as we head into Wild Card Weekend here. Uh, we have a into black Wild Card. Super Wild Card Weekend. It has returned. That, that, yeah. Uh, we're going to do Black Friday as a few NFL coaches have lost their jobs. And then we are approaching the NBA trade deadline as well. Yeah. Well, I don't actually don't think we have NBA trade deadline today. We do have some headline news, though. That's the one thing that didn't get updated on the run sheet. I apologize. Oh, headline news is what we're going to do at the end of the show. Um, so st stick around to see that. Yeah. If you're interested in any of these topics, as always, make sure you jump onto our social media platforms and hit that like button. Uh, click that notification bell so you can see anytime that we post new content. Mike, what platforms can they find us on to do so? As always, can be found on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, Patreon, and Twitch. Uh and we can be found post show in the Twin Cities area on MCN six here in the uh, on cable. Yeah, and then if you're outside of the Twin Cities, you can catch us on MCN six through your Roku app. Yeah, pretty much anywhere in the country. We are an international show. Yeah, international, international. I mean, I assume they got Roku sticks everywhere. There's probably someone in like Croatia watching us right now. Yeah, there we go. All right, well, let's jump right into it with a little bit of Vikings. Uh, I guess talk, right? Yeah. Uh, not much to say on the Bears game. Pretty handed, one pretty handedly uh, in the final game of the season. I don't have a whole lot here to say. Was there anything that you took out of it right away? Um, not really. It, it was refreshing that we went in and actually just did what we were supposed to. The backups played a substantial amount. We walked away with a two score win in Chicago, which is always a tough place to play for us. You got your two score victory. I did. It took us 18 it weeks. Took us the we backups could... playing half the game to do it. But hey, we, we got it. So, yeah, um, I think it's really cool to see the youth play. There are some there were definitely some guys on the field that you could see as they grow into different roles as maybe some of our veterans um move on it was cool to see can get opportunities to run the ball i think Jalen naylor is going to be a factor in this offense uh at some point as he grows I thought Nick mullins played decent yeah um you know you you like to see um even some of like the defensive front guys like pat patrick jones uh that, that really didn't have a ton of opportunities all year get more push or get more run duke shelley playing really well returning to chicago also really cool and then you know those guys are all going to have uh a role to play as we approach the playoffs here so i think a little boost in confidence, have them go out, get the two score victory. They're going to come in hot in a supporting role, maybe take some of the pressure off the starters as we get ready to play uh, New York. Um, yeah, overall, good win. Coaching decisions were well. Um, I didn't think there was anything glaring out of this game that I was too worried about. Um, and massive congratulations to Josh Metellus. Guy's been kind of on the fringe of playing all year long, gets a delayed start. Not only that, they put the C on his chest. Um, so gets to first game as a captain too. So really cool to see. Uh, like I said, it's it's refreshing that we went into a weekend and just did what we were supposed to. So 
can we do that this weekend as well? I guess we're about to find out. And that's a great segue. Um, I know it's kind of brief on the Bears, not a whole lot to talk about as it was the last week of the season. It was a lot of backups, but we can uh, go ahead and I guess introduce our, our special guest that we actually had uh, on Monday. KSTP TV's Chris Long uh, joined us to talk uh, Vikings football ahead of the uh, matchup against the New York Giants Sunday at 315, I believe, 340 are going to be a home game at U.S. Bank. Um, and whenever Gabe's ready, we can go ahead and uh, and roll the interview. Here we go. Down the hallway. To Chris Long interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, joining us now for his first appearance on Glass Half Sports. Happy to have him and all of his local Minnesota sports knowledge, uh, KSTP TV sports anchor Chris Long, to talk some Vikings with us ahead of the playoffs. Uh, first of all, how was your holidays? Second of all, did you stay up to watch the Packers get exited from the playoffs last night? And how'd that make you feel? Ho- holiday was good. Uh, long story short, we made the 10-hour drive. Had to flee the blizzard to get out of here to go see family down in Indiana. Very nice. And then as soon as we got there, uh, a stomach virus started with me and then ripped through the entire family. Oh. My daughter missed Christmas in bed. So not the best Christmas, but you'd rather be sick with family than uh, healthy by yourself, I guess. Uh, as for last night, yeah, it was fun. Got off work, went to uh, uh, a, a local establishment here up the street from where I live, and it was hilarious. The entire bar was rooting for the Lions. It was really funny to watch. Um, fun game. You know, if you didn't really have a dog in the fight, it was yeah. a pretty fun game. And and I'm kind of surprised that if that was Aaron Rodgers' last performance as a Packer, um, that interception will will go down in, in the lore right there with, with Favre's final interception. So um, not the most fitting finale for him, but uh, good for Detroit. I thought they were going to. What I thought was going to happen is the Packers were going to come out and land a couple punches and the Detroit would kind of fold up their tents, but the Packers never really landed a punch. I mean, they had some chances. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but if I was last night's officiating would certainly help me build my case. Yes. Uh, they had their chances and just couldn't cash in. So fair play to Detroit. Detroit's going to be a problem here going forward. I think for the, uh, for the NFC North, you know, I think they did it. They did it right. Um, the Jamison Williams pick that they got from Minnesota. I'm um, at wide receiver. I think they knew, Hey, we're not going to need that first half of the season, but if we can hang on long enough for him to get back and have a real deep threat on offense, compliment Jared Goff, um, you know, DeAndre Swift, the running game, they, they've got a good offensive line that they were going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I don't think anybody in Dan Campbell's camp is ever allowed to fold up tents before the final whistle blows, right? So they are, they're out there giving the middle finger and biting kneecaps to everybody available, it seems like. Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a nightmare. He is, he is going, going to be a nightmare for a long time. Yeah, um, and he has given us problems already, um, which will kind of allow us to a transition here into a little bit of Minnesota Vikings talk. Um, they they win uh, pretty convincingly against the Chicago Bears. Obviously, Kevin O'Connell says that there's still some things that do need to be cleaned up as they prepare for the uh, Sunday game at 3 40, I believe. 340. Yep. 340 on Fox television. Yep. On, yep. On, on Fox. Um, tell me a little bit about what you got, you know, the vibe around the team, you know, right now heading into the playoffs. It's the first time that we've been there um, with any type of, I guess, gusto uh, since the early Mike Zimmer days. Two things for the near future that you take from, from the game against the Bears. One, the offensive line. It's certainly not going to be confused with the, uh, you know, the famous hogs from back in Washington back in the day, but they look certainly 
light years better than they look against the Packers. The the pre-snap penalties weren't there. There just seemed to be a little more order Mm -hmm. and they were good. They kept Kirk Cousins clean, gave the way for a decent enough rushing attack. Now, granted, what you saw with the Bears is very different than what you're going to see potentially in Giants, Niners, Eagles going forward. But if they were what they were against the Packers again yesterday, we would be pounding panic buttons and alarm bells. That was the biggest thing that you saw there. Also, Chance to rest some guys. Um, yeah. Darius Smith, Harrison Smith, um, even Justin Jefferson, just to not, you know, we feel like he takes that one clock cleaning hit every game. Yeah. He did not take that hit yesterday. Um, being healthy-ish, or at least as healthy as they can be, you hope Garrett Bradbury can come back. That would really unlock, I think, a lot of things with the offensive line. Yeah. Um, you're just swimming in such a strong current with with brian o'neill being out that that's going to be really hard to overcome but um they're saw healthy um keeping the main guys you need as healthy as you can was was a big goal you look at san diego i heard san diego i still do that the chargers <laughs> um what are they doing bosa gets banged up um Herbert was in the game way too long. Like, what are you doing? So good move by Kevin O'Connell. Get that game secured and get guys on the shelf as quick as they could with the possible exception of Dalvin Cook. But I think he's been playing hurt all year, so he'll just continue to do it. Yeah, and I think the report came down after the game that he just caught a cleat at some point and he'll be fine. They expect to have him. That man is a warrior. He plays through every injury he's ever had unless it's one that literally know keeps his leg from operating the way that it needs to. Um, Doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter what he has. Uh, happened to him looking forward to that 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 giants matchup um icing it with a 61 yarder you know a couple weeks back really you know gabe had backed off uh the whole panic button at that point and said well maybe this is just a team of destiny after that screenplay everything runs proficiently he nails through the one kick that every vikings fan is expecting to go wide left um so a little bit closer than i think even we would have liked it I think this roster is better than the one that they have in New York, but two first-year head coaches uh, ready to square off. What do you see as some of the key matchup, key players, things to watch for in this game? This isn't exactly deep, you know, X's and O's football analysis, but it's, I think, as true in this game as as any that I've seen in a while. For the Vikings, they have got to get Daniel Jones. They've got to make him uncomfortable. They cannot let him sit back there. They, They had, what, I think it was 445 yards in that game in week 16 yeah now the one encouraging thing is somehow they did that despite the fact that the vikings held them to three of 13 on third downs those two things don't compute that just tells you it was big play offense for the giants that day which it pretty much was uh have got to get you know zadarius smith neil hunter Pat jones has been coming out those guys have got to get inside daniel jones jersey helmet shorts whatever and make him uncomfortable because he's not the best quarterback but if you give him time to operate he's good enough that he can hurt you um run stopping is going to be what it is i think saquon barkley is probably going to have you know if i'm setting an over under i think he hits 9500 yards on sunday i think that's just going to happen so that's fine you, you, you contain that but you cannot let daniel jones sit back there and throw for 350 yards or it's going to be a very long day because it, and when you talk about the offense versus defense, you know, the Vikings could certainly run with the giants, but the defense is going to have to make some stops. You know, I think I saw the stat last night, thanks to what Detroit did last night, Vikings narrowly finished next to last in, uh, I think it was, was it points or yards it must have been yards allowed. How a team that's 13 and four was next to last in yards allowed is impossible. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. They cannot let giants offense get on track. That's it. I know that, 
that's not the deepest, you know, I'd love to be talking about cover twos and a gap blitzes, but get to their quarterback period. That's it. Yeah. It's, it seems to me that uh, it really does. It's not an X's and an O's things. It's a, it's a Jimmy's and a Joe's thing for the Vikings. It's all about, can our star players outplay the guys on the other side of the ball when it matters most. Um, I think that's, what's kept them on track this year, a team with, you know, Gabe pointed out to me when he came in this morning, a minus three point differential throughout the entirety of the season. B13 and three means you are exactly that though. You are a team that at times plays its best when best is required, when the moments get close. Um, you know, we do have some, some Super Bowl champions in the locker room, guys like Jordan Hicks. Um, I know Greg Joseph got one with Tampa, uh, when he was down there, I believe as a practice squad or maybe a kickoff specialist or something like that. Do you think, you know, and Kevin O'Connell and, and Wes Phillips, obviously coming off uh, the year last year with the Rams being in a, in a deep playoff run. Do you think that that having those guys in house is going to change, you know, I guess the way that we're able to operate in the playoffs this year? I know under Mike Zimmer, it was a lot of brought up through the system with Minnesota, didn't really have the credentials uh, or, or the experience needed for playoff success, but we've added a few of those pieces. Do you think that that's going to lead to some form of like postseason culture change here? I think you know the biggest one when you said Kevin O'Connell and secondarily Wes Phillips. The fact that, you know, rookie head coach has just not not been there, just been there. Yeah. um, Lends him to being able to let those guys sort of lead. And and, and he's not going to, well, you can't say he's not. You, you wouldn't think the moment would get too big for him. He's been there. He was just there. He did it. Um, and that's part of the reason you hire these guys. You talk about, um, you know, the relationship hires. You know, you, well, we hire the the coordinator for the team that just won the Super Bowl. How, yeah. And you see that. That's why I do it. Um, the moment won't get too big. Kevin O'Connell's been pretty impressive here in his first year. And yeah. Has had to deal with a couple things here and there. But, you know, his team obviously has caught. 7 billion breaks along the way. But I think that's the most important one that you've got. He, he's not going to let them get too high. If, if, you know, they do happen to win one, two, three games here in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I think that's more important than even the players that have been there because um, that's going to set the overall tone. Um, and, and I truly believe it's, I just, I hate, we all hate the cliche one game at a time, but now it's really one game at a time. And I think that's, He's really been good about setting that all season. You know, don't look too far ahead and, and you know, be where your feet are, pick whatever cliche you want, yeah. but it's worked. Um, and you want a steadying hand as the lights get brighter over the yeah. next potentially four or five weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that'll, that'll lead me right into the final, I guess, one of the final questions I have for the Vikings. And then I do want to touch on some wild, some wolves, some twins things with yeah, you because sure. we have some questions in general uh, about you know, the rest of the Minnesota sports organizations, what do you feel like with some of the star power that we have, you know, you go down the list, you look at Justin Jefferson, Alvin cook, you look at, I mean, Adam Thielen has kind of fallen out of this category, but guys, Daniel hunters, Darius Smith, Jordan Hicks, Aaron Kendricks, Patrick Peterson, um, all, you know, upper echelon veterans that really do play a large leadership role in this team. Are they going to be able to find that next gear um, come the playoffs. And if they do, where, where is the ceiling? Are we bumping our heads, you know, uh, up against the bottom of Philadelphia on our best day? Or is this something where if they catch fire, we've, we've kind of, uh, crowned them the cardiac kids or the any given Sunday team. Cause they can, they can go toe to toe with anybody on any given Sunday. It can also get blown out by 40, you know, on any given Sunday as well. What do you think, you know, the ceiling or the expectation should be for what we would consider a successful 
postseason run. If they catch fire is the big thing. Because if they catch fire, that whoever, you know, if somebody does that, you catch a run. That's the beauty of the playoffs. System. The Bengals last um, year, right? Yes. Yes. Perfect example. Um, and we've seen it every few years. A team will will flash. Um, didn't the Packers make it to the NFC Championship game as the sixth seed? Yes. So it, it, weird things can happen. I wish, well, I wish. If if you're a Viking fan, you're wishing that the Niners game was at home. I think that's a big difference. I think oh, yeah. playing that game in, in San Francisco is not a huge difference maker, but when you've got a rookie quarterback that's not going to have a lot of experience in that kind of atmosphere, boy, you certainly would love for him to have to be operating under 120 decibels of pain. Yes. Um, I think it's going to be a lot easier. I'm waiting for Brock Purdy to throw up on himself, and it's not happening. Um, it's incredible. I mean, it's one of the most amazing stories in the NFL that these guys are the two seed, and they're on their third string quarterback. Is it third or fourth? Well, Lance, Jimmy, Garoppolo, Purdy. Yeah, I guess he's third. Um, it's crazy. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, what could happen to the Vikings last year when they had to go to their second string quarterback? Um, so I, I, I think, and you don't want to look, you know, talk about the Giants game. But I, I think the Vikings will be, will have to play well, obviously, to beat the Giants. But if we're projecting it forward, beating the Niners is going to be a task. That defense is very good. And I really worry. We've seen the Vikings offense struggle against some good defenses. I worry that that becomes a race to 17 points. Um, yeah. And, and you worry if the Vikings offense, which has been good, can get to 17 against the Niners in San Francisco. I think winning that game, fans don't want to hear this. That's a success. Um, and yeah. if you beat Philly or whomever, that's you know icing on the cake. You got to go back to the beginning of the year. If I'd have told you, A, they're going to make the playoffs. B, uh, they're going to be the three seed. They're going to have a home playoff game. Yep. You would have taken that in a heartbeat. Yep. The over-under on wins was eight and a half, nine wins. Um, they have outperformed. Their expected wins is, is right around where it should have been. Yeah. Um, if you're a fan, you'll take this. Th- this is all gravy at this point, where the expectations were at the beginning of the year. Now that you're here, you don't want to hear that. You want to make a run. But beat the Giants. Take your chances against the Niners, and that's – I think you go into the offseason going, that that feels pretty good. But I'm not going to lie. I, I want to cover Super Bowl. It oh, would be – Me too. <laughs> it, would be, it, would, it would be amazing. And, and you know, we, we've done some of that stuff around here. You know, the Lynx had a great run. That was fun. We've seen go for hockey win some things. Um, and a, a, a Super Bowl run from those that I know that have had the chance to cover it um, – there's nothing like it for a town. There's nothing like it for uh, media selfishly. Um, that's uh, yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah. But is there, and is I'll there take a win over the Niners. And is, and is there a city that's more deserving of it than Minnesota? Right? Like Cleveland who had an argument with you, but sure. We're, we're they in got, there. They got Cleveland. one with LeBron not too long ago in basketball, right? Like we True. don't have one in the core four since the mid nineties. I think Gabe has a, we can a use, Kevin O'Connell question. Here yeah. Yeah. Team. Yeah. Well, we could use a feel good story in yeah. this town too. You know what I mean? Yes. That wouldn't yes. kill. Um, yeah. So I've had this long running, um, you know, I'm old, I'm 43 and that's uh, not old, but go ahead. Well, I feel very <laughs> old. You should see me. I look awful. Um, like there's this thing with this new age coach, right? Where they're buddies with all the players, right? Hey, buddy, yep. ah, guy, you know, and they're brilliant. Like the guy in Miami, ALC. And I always wonder what they're like, for what it's going to be like in the locker room when it's time to kick ass. Does he have someone who is just a de facto guard dog who does those kind of things? Or do you think it just doesn't really happen in this 
you know, day and age or. Here's the big change. Um, I'll use Mike Zimmer as an example. I didn't know Mike Zimmer that well, but I had a handful of one-on-one conversations with him. Now, part of that was, it was over a course of however many years he was here, eight years, nine years. I don't know Kevin O'Connell at all. Um, he's, and this isn't a knock on him. His interactions with us are dip in, dip out. Now, some of the beat guys who are down there all the time and, and cover the team every single day, you know, I'm covering the Vikings primarily, but we're also doing a bunch of other things in my role. I don't know him that well. Um, we had one sit down where it was probably 20 of us in a room. We just kind of did a little go around the room and ask some questions and just talk the day after he was hired. Um, that was it. Other than that, it's been press conferences and, you know, maybe a little chuckle and a laugh or something as he walks in or walks off the podium, but I don't know him that well. So I'm judging him the same way everybody else is. I mean, all the press conferences are online. You can see them. Um, they post the the locker room rah-rah thing after every win. I have a big thing with that. Uh, So that one where he came in after which, uh, which game was that Nick? Was it, Uh, was it Indy? I think it was the Indy one where he got choked up. Yeah, yeah, where he's like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, with you guys until we do, until they don't let us play football. And all I thought right away is, boy, that's not gonna feel great next year when he's cutting his first guy. And I truly view that as something that, and I get he's in the emotion. I'm, I'm a fan of his for sure, and yeah. I love this new era that we are going this way. I just also leave some room that you know sometimes humans need some ass kick and motivation. I guess. I and mean, her Brooks, her Brooks, famously, yes. I'm going to bring this together. They're going to rally around hating me, and that's going to bring them closer together. <laughs> NFL coaches have been doing that for 60 years. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Zimmer kind of tried that. The problem is he lost his veterans. That only works if you've got your veterans. Um, well, I'll tell you with – too, right? Like Sure. Well, winning fixes everything, obviously. Yeah, winning fixes everything. Um, where um, – so look at Eric Kendricks. He's a good example. Veteran leader on the team. Yep. Um, guy who used to, and I don't want to judge, ever judge a guy just on reactions with the media, but yeah. he was a bad interview his first three or four years. He was he was kind of introverted. He knew his place as a young player in that locker room and didn't really want to talk that much. Now he's a go-to guy. Yeah. He's a leading voice in the locker room. And after that Colts game, he also choked up. We were talking to him just about what you just accomplished, the historical perspective. And where he got choked up was just, I'm looking around this room and doing it for these guys and with these guys. And that's where he choked up. That doesn't happen on every team. And I don't think the rally around hating the coach angle, which can work, breeds what I'm seeing in the Viking locker room, where there really is this esprit de corps, this band of brothers, this we're all in this together. Part of that is the way they've won these games. Right. Um, It's building that, but there is an emotional um, bond that that every team says it, but I genuinely believe these guys mean it. They're in this together. They love playing football together. They love being at the facility. They love coming to work. And that I think is where very long answer to your short question. That's the Kevin O'Connell effect. It has really made it such that these guys are having a lot of fun doing their job. And it's certainly, yes, there's extra wind in the sails because they're winning. But I think that I don't want to say culture. I hate culture, but <laughs> the culture he's built is 
going to be sustainable even if they trip next year and don't have the kind of season they had this year. Right. And we talked about that earlier in the year. You were seeing a lot of guys, Mike Daniels, um, Ed Donatel, uh, Wes Phillips get to the podium. And just the only thing that they continued to reiterate in the close wins was this is a player led locker room. These guys are playing for one another. And then we talked about it here on the show. Well, we, you don't hear that as a, like openly all the time. It's not, you know, that's not something that's preached in every press conference that you watch across the NFL. So I did think that that was something that made this team different. So. And the most obvious glaring example is what was one of the knocks, the biggest knock on Kirk Cousins off the field. We can say whatever we want about what he did on the field before this year. It was that he had that. I just work here syndrome. I just, I just, I did my reads. I played, did my plays. uh, I did what I was told. Hey, it didn't work. Shrug. Oops. See you next week. None of that this year. Um, He's taking ownership. He's taking big leadership. He has said in a lot of things where, He's kind of mentoring Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Justin, what I want to see out of you is, you know, do it again. You know, you had a great season last year. Let's do it again this year. Justin Jefferson's going to have five times the career Kirk Cousins ever had, but Kirk Cousins is accepting that mentorship role. And yeah. that's part of what we're talking about. And I think that's the best example we've seen is that he has completely shed that I just work here, I'm just doing my thing, and really grabbed onto a role that this team needed him to have. Um if this year was going to work. Right. hundred percent agree with yeah. you. There. Why don't you let the folks know uh, where right. they can find you on, on, on uh, your, your average, you know, weeknight or on social media yep. as well. Yep. If you're a diehard Chris Long fan, you'll find me darn near every Friday and Saturday night on channel five. And whenever Joe Schmidt takes vacation time, um, uh, we may, as the playoffs go on, if I think there's a chance, I know Joe will be going, if there's a San Francisco game, he'll be going. Um, if we end up in Philly, well, I'll probably be going with him on that trip. We did it back for the last, fateful trip to Philadelphia for an NFC championship game yep. where my boy, Chris long was a force of havoc against the Vikings. Uh, yeah. Channel five, just flip us on, follow on Twitter. I'm usually pretty good about letting you know when I'm doing something pretty cool. If uh, there's a story that we put together that I think people would be interested in, I'll usually do a pretty good job of self promoting, promoting that on the Twitter feed. So yeah, channel five, we uh, try to keep it fun. Give us a shot. If you're 11 or nine or four viewers, that's cool. As long as you're, as long as you're watching somebody, but come sample us every now and then. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I will be tuning in to see what it's all about. Can't like once again, can't thank you enough for joining us on the show, man. Uh, take care and enjoy covering the playoffs this week. Oh, 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 we did it. I was like, what are you guys doing? I thought you were actually doing a character. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Oh, I mean. I forgot I muted. We flipped our mics off so you wouldn't have to mute us. So we will, we're learning, we're ironing out the kinks, but hey. We were going back and forth. That was awesome. Yeah, um, Yeah. definitely, definitely good to, you know, what I was here for the interview. Obviously, you weren't able to make it in on Monday. What do you take out of that? What do you, you know, is there anything that you picked up from Chris? Obviously, a wealth of knowledge that um, really interesting to hear that he's had some conversations with Mike Zimmer. Doesn't hasn't really had that opportunity with Kevin O'Connell yet, but I'm sure that's going to come. Anything in particular that you picked up on there? Um, I agreed with pretty much everything you said about the Giants coming up. To yeah. be honest, uh, Saquon is going to probably have 100 yards. Yep, um, that's okay. Yes, our defense isn't great, so you just got to <laughs> bottle and. Try to bend and not break as much. Um, I think bottling Daniel Jones as well. Like Got to get said. in his shorts. Yep. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree completely. <laughs> That's um, a t-shirt. Yep. 
Got to get in his shorts. Got to get in his shorts. Get in his shorts up there. Loved it. Uh, I I agree completely. Um, It's going to come down to if our playmakers make plays. Yeah. um, Yeah. And that's going to be a big part of it. Um, Let's talk about it from me and me and yours perspective. Now that you've got the chance, I think, um, you know, my first question for you being somebody who coaches, like you get to see somebody for the second time in a season, um, sometimes, I mean, a lot of these teams are going to see a third, but we're getting to see the, the giants for the second time as a coach. Do you really look at it as, Hey, here's what we did successful. Let's lean into that. Or as, Hey, they've seen what we're successful at. We need to pivot away from X, Y, Z. So the approach that I, I know that we we've taken, um, in the past, uh, like this past fall, we played two teams in the playoffs that we played in the regular season. Yep. Uh, both games are our main game plan actually revolved around okay, this was their 15 plays defensively that was actually the most successful for them. So logically, they're going to rewatch the film and they're going to say, okay, this is where we were the best. This is going to be our main game plan moving forward to try to bottle them. So we'll basically throw that defensive scheme up on the board in our different sets and say, okay, how do we attack this? Logically, that's what they're probably going to start the game in is what they were successful against us in, right? So I, I think Wink Martindale is going to open up the pressures basically immediately he's going to have xavier mckinney back to patrol the middle of the field which is going to probably limit that jj and tj hawkinson game where they're both over 100 yards um having a center fielder like that allows you to bring pressures from different areas as well because he can cover more ground and he's a little bit better at that play recognition aspect than who they had the game one um I think that's where the Vikings are going to scheme, though, is what the Giants were successful at. So I I hope to see our screen game actually hopefully be successful with the pressures. Um, Quick passing game, hopefully a lot of shotgun as well. Give Kirk a little bit more space. Yeah, I think this game is actually going to be one on the edges on either side of the football if you're really looking at it. Um, And we'll get to Tim's comment here right after this. But you look at from the Vikings standpoint, you know, getting in Daniel, getting his shorts, you know, um, and even bottling up a guy like Saquon Barkley, a guy that they run a lot of that zone where he likes to press the edge and then get back inside. This game is very heavily going to dictate from the Vikings defensive standpoint on Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, um, and DJ Wanham as part of that edge pass rushing package. And then on the other side of the football, with us being down, potentially Garrett Bradbury, um, Brian O'Neill, Brian O'Neill, um, you know, and then Ingram being a rookie out there kind of on his own. Caleb Von Thibodeau is going to line up over that side of the ball pretty much all game and try to push pressure right into Kirk's face. So it's going to be whosoever's edge presence takes over this game, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I actually think Harrison Phillips is going to be a big yes, a big uh, impact player this week as well. If he can make two blockers occupy him and not let them get up to the linebacker level on that zone scheme, that's going to be huge as well. So yeah. I, I do truly think it's going to be a close game, but the Vikings have won close games all year. So hopefully Joseph can hit a 64, 67 yard <laughs> and we're on to San Francisco. Yeah. Tim Jackson here. Thanks for commenting in buddy. Remember everybody, the comment section is live down on our Facebook. Uh, so you can get your opinions and your thoughts up here on the show it says Kirk cousins is a direct cause of KOC. He just wanted someone to have his back. And I believe in that wholeheartedly being a guy that was in Washington, they wanted RG three. They wound up with Kirk cousins coming to Minnesota. You hear towards the end of Mike Zimmer's, you know, uh, tenure here that, didn't really have the relationship that Kirk wanted. He it's it's like the guy it's it's like the guy that's been shot down in multiple relationships. You find him with somebody who's actually going to pump his tires, and guess what? He'll probably be better for it. So uh, I, I can't agree more with Tim there. What do you have as a score prediction for uh, the Giants game this Sunday? Uh, we'll go. I, I do think it's going to be something weird. Hopefully, uh, in the Vikings' favor, I'll go twenty-four, twenty-two, or something, something odd. I got it, twenty-eight, twenty, and I have the defense 
making a big turnover late as the Giants go to drive, very reminiscent of what you saw in games like Buffalo uh, and some of those closer wins earlier in the year where the when you need the pass rush, it's there. Daniel Jones is prone to make the turnover in the big moment, and you'll see it come from a guy like Harrison Smith or Patrick Peterson or Aaron Kendricks, one of those veterans that's going to put themselves just in the right spot and play sound football. I think it does need to be said. What was that Giants player again that said that it wasn't very loud? Yeah, Nick Gates uh, is an absolute jabron. Oh, I thought it was going to be a lot louder in U.S. Bank. Well, good job at pissing off probably one of the most aggravated and hungry fan bases that doesn't get a lot of home playoff games. It's going to be loud in U.S. Bank this week. It weekend. better be. It better be. It absolutely better be. So, uh, let us know what you guys think on the Minnesota Vikings as they prepare for their first home playoff game since 2000 and since 2018, 2018, since 2018. And uh, we can move on over to a uh, wild wolf watch. Yeah. Um, wild oh. watch first. Yeah. Wild watch first. And I am concerned to say the least. Did you see the story on Mark Andre Fleury? I did not. Okay. So Mark Andre Fleury has stepped away from the Minnesota wild after a locker room blow up and, um, some personal matters, and they don't even actually know if he's going to be back for the remainder of the season. He did write up a little bit of a farewell um, that got posted on social media, I believe. And then following those, you know, the next two games, um, he lets up six goals in the games where he leaves in the following two games. You can just tell that the veteran presence has left the locker room. Do you think this is cause for concern for a team that was seeming to find its feet or skates, for lack of a better term? Um, it's definitely cause for concern. Your goalie room is a lot different now than it was two Absolutely. weeks ago. Um, trying to bite my tongue here because uh, I'm pretty sure Cam Talbot's still showing up to work. True. Uh, Gustafson hasn't been bad. I think more than the performance of Marc-Andre Fleury, who's prone to let up the five or six goals, he's up there in age now, right? There are other things for him. Um, if Gustafson can continue to play well, uh, I think we're either going to look to get another goalie, or is it too soon to call up Jesper Wallstead uh, from the Iowa Wild and start to get him some run? Your entire roster is ridiculously young, pretty much. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like I, I said this at the beginning of the season, temper your expectations and play your youth because that's yeah. all you've got. Yeah. That's all you've got because you don't have any money. Mm-hmm. You made a bad trade in the goaltender area. I'm sorry. Oh, Gabe says right. blow it up. Sorry about that. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think you've, you've basically done that job already. Though. Yeah. So now just play your youth and be patient for three years. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I do. I So I was reading, you know, there was a list that came out on Bleacher Report not too long ago that said 30 names that kind of like the one we went over with the NBA the, the other day that said, you know, 30 names that are getting ready to be traded. And do you know who I saw on that list that I think can potentially help um, the Wild with their veteran presence? I know that they have Reeves now. Um, he skates with cement. Uh, he's not exactly a high energy guy, but Patrick Kane from the Chicago Blackhawks is going to be on the trade block. If you're looking for somebody as a goal scorer instead of a goalie that is going to be able to maybe mentor Kirill, you look at all of the young line players that we are goal scorers that we have that are going to need that, that could use that presence. I think this opens the door for that kind of trade. If the wild are going to make a push this year, would you, would you pick up the phone and make that call even at this point in Kane's career? I personally wouldn't. Okay. That reminds me when like Adam Banks came over and joined the Mighty Ducks. Like he's just <laughs> not a dude. He's yes. just not a duck. He's a hawk. So he can stay there. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, they, they had three straight losses, uh, Rangers blues and the Sabres, which is where, um, Mark Andre Fleury pretty much had his, his little implosion in the locker room, uh, before leaving the team. And we got three games coming up. Uh, we got to play the Islanders, the coyotes and the capitals. I will tell you right now, the Islanders are pretty good. Get and, one. Yep. And you got it. You got to get that game against the coyotes at the very least that's going to be a home game it's the only home game that you have and it's against a subpar opponent you got to take the ones that you can until you can find you know your 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 feet are you know level again the boat has holes in it right now so find a way to plug them (laughs) yeah patch patch the boat keep it moving forward win one of the next three for sure not not a great not a great uh not great news no not Not at all (laughs) uh so then we can i guess unless you've got anything else in the minnesota wild you want to talk about nope Nope, we'll leave it there, Nick. There we go. Uh, then we can get over to the Minnesota Timber Pups, who have been just as abysmal, taking a loss to the Detroit Pistons last night, another subpar team that you absolutely should not be losing games to with the talent that you have on this roster. Cat still not back. They are comfortably sitting, not comfortably, but They're they are- one in their last five, Nick. They are in the 10 seed for now. Mike, what are you thinking? I mean, they've won four of their last five. Uh, the Detroit game was huge, though, in my opinion. They should yeah, have won that game. Right? Absolutely. Uh, to make it five straight going into a matchup with the Suns tomorrow night. It's it, it's kind of like Chris Finch has said it, basically, that he basically has two teams that he coaches. One yeah. team tries hard, one team that just doesn't show up. Yep. And to me, that's, that's being a professional. That's mm-hmm. understanding that you have a job to do yeah. day in and day out that you need to show up and give effort. Yep. Um, his lineups have reflected that, right? So yeah. we're starting to see Torian Prince down the stretch. Um, we're seeing this, starting to see D'Lo sit the last seven minutes of a game. Yeah. I think that trend needs to continue. We need to continue yeah. to find guys who want to play Timberwolves basketball. Absolutely. I think it's trending in the right direction. Unfortunately, you know, a matchup with the Suns doesn't help us a ton. But after that, we do go Cavs, Jazz, Nuggets. So a little bit of room there. I think we can steal one against the Cavs. Nuggets we just beat as well. So we'll uh, we'll see how it transforms. Yeah, it's it it is a it's it's a weird thing because and we were when we were talking to uh, Chris Long, we weren't able hour long interview. Like I said, we'll release the rest of it. He's very aware too that the problem in the locker room right now is D'Angelo Russell. It's the fact that on any given night with a guy that controls the pace of your offense, if he's not high energy, that affects the rest of the team. And he only wants to play his style of basketball and nothing else. And for a guy that when we got into the the playoffs last year was doing his best Kobe Bryant impression and job not finished uh, for him to come out and give this performance in a contract year, is just odd to me. You'd think a guy of his caliber that could be playing for another massive contract after this year with the Timberwolves with another team is playing so selfishly, so inconsistently. It, it, it baffles me a little bit. It doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me. And I, I do think he is the standalone problem. And I, it's weird. We've, for years now, even though he's been here, we've placed a lot of the blame on Cat. Well, is Cat really just feeding off Delo's energy? Is this who he has been for the last couple of years? And this is what we're getting out of Carl Anthony Towns' attitude because that's his best friend. You are who your friends are in a lot of situations. Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't really see a changing Cat when Delo came, though. No. And that's the concerning part. I wish we got the Devin Booker part of that friendship because yeah, those three were tight yeah, and Devin yeah. Booker is a little bit different than these two. Yeah, he's a killer. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like he goes out there and he plays hard every day. He's got the the chip on the shoulder, the dog mentality. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. The trade deadline continues to bear down on the Wolves, and there are opportunities out there for them to get better. If they think that this is the roster, you can't be wasting years. Um, so you can make a move and not feel bad about breaking up something that you thought was gonna work forty two games ago. Yeah. It's it's going to be an interesting trade deadline to see what they do to see if they are aggressive and make a move or if they just kind of sit on their hands because we are technically in the playoffs right now. We're in the play in play in play. playoff or different. <laughs> if you want We're to rehash, play on game, not the playoff game. All right, let us know what you guys think about the current Minnesota Timber Pups sitting at twenty and twenty two. <laughs> With a Suns matchup tomorrow night at 7. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, guess what? It's time to cover what, Mike? The NFL wildcard weekend. No, no, no. You better say it right. You better come correct. The NFL wildcard weekend. Super wildcard weekend, Michael. That's going to be everything that starts on Saturday all the way through Sunday. So let's break down the game, starting with uh, Seattle versus the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, hey, Tim Jackson, before... You uh, watch some of this, maybe just take, get up, go grab a beer or drink a water or hit mute because I'm going to have some unfortunate news for you. Who do you got winning this game, Mike? (laughs) The Niners. The Niners. Okay. Reason being? They have the best defense in football. They're playing at home Hmm. and I don't trust Geno Smith to continue his Cinderella run against a divisional opponent that's already seen him twice. I I picked the Niners. Okay. Okay. So I went and looked at how frequently a team ever beats the same team or an opposing uh, unit three times in a given season. I want you to go ahead and guess the last time that that happened. When was the last time a team came back from 33 down at half? I, I get it, but answer. When, take a guess. How many years has it been? Four or five years. 2002 was the last time that a team beat an opponent three times in one given season, and it was Pittsburgh versus Baltimore. I also looked up what the point differential is for the team that has lost two straight games to their opponent. They go and usually add about 12 points to their average point total, and 67% of the time, they come away with a win. It's So you look at all the statistics, and then you consider that Brock Purdy, a third-string quarterback who is still very much a rookie in his seventh game, is going to be cranked into a playoff scenario, and Kyle Shanahan's inability to close playoff games at times against Pete Carroll, who has had success in the playoffs and is going to have a very young, healthy, hungry roster to play against. I'm picking Seattle to win this weekend against the Niners, and guess what? This is what begins to pave the road for the Minnesota Vikings to be right back in or, you know, Super Bowl contention with teams like the Niners getting picked off early in weird scenarios. Gentleman's bet? Gentleman's bet. $1. I gotcha. I gotcha. So I got, Mike's got the Niners. I got the Seahawks. What's the next game, Mikey? Uh, Chargers versus Jaguars, Saturday, 815. This is going to be an interesting matchup because I think it's a it's it's a matchup of the pretty boy quarterbacks at this point, and then it boils down to whose head coach do you trust more? Is it going to be the guy that's over on the Chargers sideline, or is it going to be Doug Peterson with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Um, I personally think that for where Trevor Lawrence was selected in his second year, he is more consistent to what his level of play is than Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert can go up and throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. He can also come out and have a 50% completion percentage, throw three interceptions to the most talented wide receiving core, 
maybe in the playoffs this year and lose a clunker based on bad coaching decisions. If you're going to lean into anybody, much like I leaned into Seattle, young, hungry, healthy defenses win playoff games. And Jacksonville has that. Trevor Lawrence has played phenomenal. That offensive line is healthy. And Travis Etienne is a force to be reckoned with. And you got to factor in, Bosa got nicked up in that game. Uh, Mike Williams got nicked up in that game as well. So it's going to limit what the Chargers can do effectively against this team. I'm actually going to agree with you and pick the Jaguars in this one. I just think that the defense is more consistent, and I think that the quarterback position is more consistent. So I do we'll too. Go Jaguars there I'm going to well. go Jaguars here too. So we're looking at you know the Jags to to pick off a, a pretty tough Chargers team that everybody kind of had as Super Bowl favorites this year. And that what kind of what kind of stories then begin to pop up around Justin Herbert. <clears throat> Kirk Cousins didn't wait too. It wasn't long on Kirk Cousins or Tua Tagovailoa or some of these guys. Before it was, they can't win the big game. Same thing with the head coaching position there for the Chargers as well. I agree. I think that the blame will lie more on Staley than it will. Herbert, Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. Let's go. Bills, Dolphins starts our Sunday games at noon. Bills, 30 to 10. Not even close. No Tua. Unlikely to see Teddy Bridgewater as well. They're going to go with Skylar Thompson. Without Tua or Teddy, this offense lacks a ton of punch. And that's not the coach's fault. That's what happened. You saw it. If we think back to Eagles with Mike Vick or Falcons with Mike Vick, anytime that he was out and you're taking a left-handed quarterback and then going to a right-handed offense, you are flipping a lot of things. Guys are pass setting different. They're run blocking different. The way that you uh, adjust, it's everything is different. And when week in and week out, you can't find consistency in that. It's hard to win football games. And the Bills are built for body blows. And they'll just break down. Uh, a track team, a summer track team like the Dolphins in cold weather playoff football. I got the Bills handedly over the Dolphins. Yeah, I don't think that there's such a thing as a left-handed offense. I'm sorry, I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, but I'm still going to go Bills. I'll go two two scores. We'll go 35, 21, or 24 right in there. Yeah, I, I okay. think Miami will score points. I think a, a screen to Tyreek Hill can score any play of the game. So Absolutely. Same thing. Points. I mean, same thing with Jalen Waddell. Yeah. So if... This is an a two-score victory by the Bills. I'm going to ask you again. Tua, banged up two years in a row, not available in the playoffs. When he doesn't play, it doesn't look well. Are you really considering that that is still your franchise quarterback going into next year? Personally, how I would handle the situation is I would stick with Tua. Both years, if you look at the basically first 10 weeks that he has played, it's about 500 as well, under under a terrible coach in Flores, in my yeah. opinion. And then under the offensive genius, that is Mike McDaniel. Yeah. Um, what I need to do is draft offensive linemen and protect him. I need to figure out a way to protect my franchise quarterback. Um, I'm probably training him in the offseason to learn how to take hits. Like, that is an, an art. Oh, yeah, the Peyton um, Manning fold-up. The Peyton Manning fold-up could do him wonders, to yeah. be completely honest, to extend his career because he can play the game at a high level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would stick with Tua, to be honest. There I think go. it's a lot easier. It's it's a lot easier, it's less expensive, it's everything to keep an employee and to train there you go. is to bring from the outside. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. Uh last two games, Mike. Ravens versus Bengals, Sunday night, 715. Uh looks like the Bengals are facing an uphill battle to have Lamar Jackson available for this game, even if he yeah. is Ravens. Yeah. Ravens. Yeah. What did I say? Bengals. Bengals, sorry. Uphill battle for the Ravens to have Lamar Jackson for this game. So it look, it's looking like it's probably going to be Tyler Huntley. 
I this, think Lamar will play, but I get shades of like RG3 playing on the bad knee, slipping on the goal line in the bad grass. You know, to be honest with it's you. either that or it's the fact that you can't take a month off from the quarterback position and get in, no matter how talented you are. We saw it last year with Derrick Henry. Out all season, comes back into the playoffs and just doesn't have the, it's a game. You got to win on the margins, and the margins is what you play and practice. Yeah, day in and day out I, I would, for weeks. I would agree about the quarterback position, especially in the passing game. Lamar's trick, though, is that he is the best athlete on the field. Yes. And if he is 90% healthy, he can still be effective enough Absolutely. for that Baltimore team. I'm still going to go Bengals. Yeah. But I think it's going to be closer than we all think, and I do think we're going to see number eight. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as close as people think. I think we're looking at like a 28-17 win for the Bengals. Uh, I think... Regardless of what anybody wants to say, and we're going to get to this topic uh, later in the show when we go through headline news, there's something that's not right in that that Ravens organization right now with Lamar's contract situation. And if you're going to sit here and tell me that that's not going to affect the way that this that this game is going to be played or the outcome of it or Lamar's investment or Harbaugh's trust in him or anything like that, you're wrong. This has so been an with ongoing Lamar issue. With the contract on the table, you don't think he tries to play? I think he does, but it could be to his own detriment. Or he's in That's, there I and he's got shades of RG3. Or, or he's playing in spite of, and that's never a good thing either. What made the Ravens so successful early on with Lamar is the Ravens bought into him and he was bought into the Ravens. There is a divide there now, and you've seen it. You saw it early in the year with their inability to close out ball games, And that's going to that's gonna be something that they're going to have to deal with here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it's a divisional opponent as well. Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, last game is actually Monday night, 7-15, Cowboys versus Buccaneers. Is this, this the last game we ever see Tom Brady play? Nah, you'll see him in Vegas next year, I think, <laughs> if Josh McDaniels has it his way. Uh, Mike, I mean, Tom Brady has played in the playoffs at 25, 35, and 45, so the guy has three decades worth of playoff experience damn near. Uh, actually, it'd be two, but you know, you, you catch my drift, 25 yeah, 35, 45. Uh, but that's a lot. That's a lot of football. And this is a massive legacy game for a lot of guys on that Dallas roster. The narrative has already been spun. Can Dak win the big one? He has zero wins against Tom Brady in his entire career. You're looking at uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Is he worth the money you paid him? You're looking at McCarthy. Is he worth the fact that you kept him last year after an embarrassing playoff loss instead of going and leaning into Dan Quinn in that defense and Micah Parsons? Uh, there's going to, you know, tra- same thing. Trayvon Diggs shut down corners going to have Evans and Godwin to deal with. There's a lot on the table for Dallas here. And I hope they just don't get too tight thinking about it. 14 of 29 for 134 yards and an interception. Tom's numbers from week one, right? Dak Prescott's oh, week numbers Jesus. from week one. I got the bucks in this game. 52 yards is what Zeke had on the ground. It's the bucks, dude. I'm sorry. It's going to be the Buccaneers and it's going to be Vikings. Bucks, Bucks. If Seattle wins, and that's going to be a home game again for Minnesota. Like I said, paving a really weird road for Minnesota to be right back in Super Bowl contention. Yeah, imagine if Seattle beats Philly, and then we're playing at home for the NFC Championship. It's not. It's it's so that everybody was like, "Oh, it's Philly, it's Philly, it's Philly, it's Philly." Let's also consider they're not playing this week, and we'll talk about it next week. Jalen Hurts' shoulder not healthy. The injury that he has is not well, one that helps him. Well, the week, the two weeks helps him, right. but how much does it help you? Matt Hasselback had this injury and he was on TV just this last week talking about, I'm not a running quarterback. I didn't get hit the way Jalen Hurts is going to get hit, especially in these playoff games. And we've seen it, right? When the playoffs come, the NFL tends to drop its guard a little bit on some of these hits because everybody's watching and they want interesting football, right? 
So as a guy that needs to run in order for that offense to be effective, because when it's not running, it's no different than what they see with Gardner Minshew. I think they are equal passing talents. Jalen Hurts is the better mobile quarterback, and they have struggled to put points up week in and week out. So could Seattle pick them off with the physical style of defense that Pete Carroll plays or the Niners play? Absolutely. The Vikings are 110% not in a bad spot. They just got to get through New York. Right. All right. Well, let us know what you guys think about the NFL playoffs and the wild card weekend. No, Mike, say it right. The NFL super wild wild card weekend. weekend. All right. And with that, we're into headline news. Uh, Carlos Correa back in Minnesota, six years, $200 million. I am not excited about it because he didn't want to be here. So that's where I'm at, Nick. Um. This leaves a very sour taste in my mouth. I think the players in the locker room are going to be happy to have him. He's a good locker room guy. The guys that he interacted with, um, the fact that he didn't miss a whole lot of games last year, and what he was able to do on the field, all are going to lead to him being a guy that you want to have in your locker room. Where the issue is going to be is how is the fan base going to react? Having a guy that signed, I believe I have the tweet that Carlos Correa signed a total of 10 years or sorry, 31 years, over $800 million in contracts this last year. And the twins are like, oh, a consolation prize in true twins fashion to get him back. I don't care for it. He's got a lot of ground to cover. He better come out and play MVP style baseball um, for to, to win over the fan base. Because I don't think as a twins fan, you can sit around right now and be like, yeah, I'm glad we got him back. He didn't want to be here. Um, however, The $200 million that was invested in him in this contract, I think, is going to be not only dictated on his play, but it's going to be dictated on how well he develops the young core that the Twins have right at the surface level. Austin Martin, Royce Lewis, Jose Miranda, Nick Gordon, Alex Kirilov, guys that are really, really, really young and are going to be here for the next six years guaranteed to be a part of the team that he signed to come back to. So it's not just going to be his performance. It's going to be the performance of the guys that he's developing. And then it's going to be, it kind of paints the twins into, like Nash Walker said, you get a guy like this, it forces you to spend money. It forces you to make the trades because he's here. And even during the press conference that they had last night, they kind of joked that he's now kind of like the assistant GM of the Twins. They handed him a lot of power in coming back, and I think that's part of why he signed here instead of, you know, maybe instead of the Jets or or the the Jets, the Mets or the Giants goes to look for like the Yankees or the Phillies. You know what I mean? Like there were other big market teams that could have spent money on him. They didn't because the Twins are going to give him a little bit of roster control, which you don't see a lot. So there's a lot of moving pieces in this. I think optionable years, this stretches out to about a 10-year contract, highest paid twin in history. Now it's a wait and see game as far as what the team's going to look like when they get to the field. Remember, he was here last year, 78 win team, not a lot of difference in the locker room. So I don't understand necessarily all of the excitement. Yeah, we'll have to just wait and see. Like you said, uh, Aljamain Sterling injury. Yeah, uh, maybe Gabe can. Hold on. I was going to say, why are we not being more like um, insane about the money here? $200 million? What's that? The $200 million that he was offered? Correct. Yeah. I thought that's what he took. Yes. Yeah. I'm saying. What the fuck did he do to earn that money? What am I missing? He's a Scott. He's a Scott Boris client with a ton of accolades in the middle of his career. I don't, but (laughs) 
it's so hard to understand. Why would they break the bank for this? I don't fucking get it. Like, are they making, did they make just a shitload? Like, have you read anything about league revenue? Like, is it way up or something? So one thing, and you asked me previously about like why the years on these contracts seem to be so big. Yeah. Do they have tons of opt-outs or something? I think, so Scott Boris and Falvey and Levine yesterday during the press conference said a lot of the years on these contracts, especially the optionable ones, are to keep the player luxury tax down now that that new, um, uh, player agreement is in place from the lockout or the holdout last year. Um, So that's where a lot of that is coming from. As far as the money, I'm not sure. I think $200 million is about as high as I would go. I know the Mets offered him more. I know the Giants offered him more, both in dollars and years. But why would you go that high? <laughs> like, I'm just, I, I guess what I'm confused about is when I, when I was coming up and yet A-Rod break the bank, right? Yeah. Like, it was at least it was always like the best player who is young that they're breaking the bank for. I mean, he's I, what, twenty six, seven? Twenty seven, and he's still probably one of the best fielding shortstops in baseball. But you're paying for, for his defense that much? Or, or like his potential twin style baseball, I guess. And like I said, I think a lot of it is the fact that they're paying for his ability to develop like we all love Jose Miranda, the way that Jose played this last season was phenomenal for a guy that should have showed up the year previous, wasn't hurt, good locker room guy. That relationship, his relationship with Royce Lewis, they share an agent, his relationship with Byron Buxton, his relationship with what's going to be like guys like Austin Martin um, and Luis Rice. He's Carlos Correa strikes me as a guy that when he's done playing could very, very well be a coach in the MLB, the way that he likes. The- well, let's give him $50 million just on the potential of that. Makes total sense. It's just odd to me. I, I don't understand economics in baseball today, I guess is what I'm, I guess that's what I'm getting at. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's very I don't, hard to understand. I don't get it either. I look at it maybe as like the Billy Bean approach. You're not just paying for his stats. You're pay, paying for how he elevates the stats of the people around him with what he does for guys in the clubhouse. And you can't sit back and say that Byron Buxton wasn't really good, at least in the power department. When he was healthy, that Jose Miranda didn't take a step, that Royce Lewis, when he got there, didn't look really good. Like there are. Right. No, for sure. But how does he, I guess, can you imagine running a business and paying money on potential like that? You know, that's big money. I mean, unless there's some accounting loophole where, you know, like you said, that, that, that luxury tax thing, I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting to me what is happening with baseball, and yeah. I'm just not getting it. I'm, I'm missing something pretty obvious, I guess. We all are. Yeah. We all are. Because what, 270 and 20 homers is not enough. Right. I, I mean, what is he? But uh, 270, 20 homers for six years straight, and him playing almost every game and fielding at a gold glove level and being an anchor in your locker room and your lineup, I do think that's a fair deal, guys. Well, I'm anchor, just being anchor hold on, anchor in our locker room, he didn't want to be part of the team. Like, oh, anchor, drag him down, you mean? But, but here, I'll, I will say this. I'm not pleased about this because he tried to leave. I yes. get that. But every single player called him and yeah. congratulated him when he signed back. Yes. Like, he was talking to Byron Buxton every single day throughout this entire process that he signed for 29 years and $865 million over 28 days this winter. Yeah. He was in contact with Byron Buxton every single day. And this locker room respects him and does treat him as one of their own. Yeah, and not just not just Buxton, who's a star. He also mentioned, I spoke to Jose Miranda weekly. That's I mean, that's a guy who, I mean, ML, you see it all the time. Rookies come up. They do well, and then they go back down. 
a guy that's got World Series championships and all this money doesn't need to have that connection right. with a guy who may not be around for two or three years, but he stayed connected to the locker room, right? Um, like yeah. I said, it's going to leave a bad taste in all the mouths of all the fans. The, the players, however, fan, yeah. are not seeing it that way because the players understand that this is a business. Yeah. Yeah, he had to say, go get his money. I'm not mad about that aspect necessarily. I totally believe that the players um, are not whatever mad at him. I'm just saying... And of course, I'm the guy who freaked out because the twins don't spend money. So I'm not trying to completely That's right, run this back. Hey, I'm yeah, just trying just to happy say you got Dansby Swanson, and you don't want us to have anybody. Right? We get it. I get. I guess I'm just. It, we live in this era that there's so many guys who hit 30 home runs now. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's like oh yeah, a lot. Now I guess in this era, also batting 270, I guess is what 356 now. Is that the <laughs> modern equivalent? So, and the gold glove. And a gold glove. Yeah, and the gold glove thing though. I guess I, I don't know if the metric, if they've really, um, if how much they put range into it now, but um, if that figures in. I'm but sorry, but he's gold better. Glove. Than, he's better than Nick Gordon at shortstop. Yeah, how many, let's be honest. Is he in the top five of Major League shortstops? Yeah. Fielding-wise? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Is he the of the shortstops you take in this league? I would say he's probably him? five. I would actually, if you're talking about guys that just don't seem to have holes in their game, he's probably a top three shortstop in baseball. The only other guys that are on, that are on par, what, Trey Turner and who else? Right? Like... Let's see. So we got 10. Let's see. I got a list here. We've got Tim Anderson. Tim he's Anderson. Than him. No, he's not. No, Tim, I'm saying like yeah, yeah. Uh, Correa is better. Yep. Dansby Wander Swanson. coming up behind him. I bet you Wander will be better. I would better. take Wander Franco. Yep. Okay. I would too, but here's the issue that I see with Wander Franco. Wander Franco, as of last year, did not play a lot due to injury. Just injury. You're right. But I mean, that that can happen. It was yep. a wrist one. It was a It was a... Reasonable one, I yep. I felt like Bobachet. I was gonna say Bobachet twenty twenty one stats batted two ninety eight with twenty nine home runs and one hundred and two RBI. But his stats were not that last year. And no, you I pay get it. for consistency. I get it, but I guess I'm just saying it's. Uh, I mean, here Carlos Correa is we're not even on the in the top. I've, Carlos Correa is number five on the list that I've. Who's found. four three two and one? Just so four three two and one Tatis, is Dansby Swanson, Bogarts, Lindor, Trey Turner, and Bogarts. Yeah, I mean, the, I, Trey Turner batted three thirty and now this is twenty twenty one. Yep, with twenty eight home runs. I just happen to have an article like that. To me, those are numbers right there. Those are numbers you pay the, that amount for. I guess is I what think I'm that's, saying. I think you pay more than that. Yeah, and guess what? Trey Turner went and got his bag for those numbers in Philadelphia. What's Trey Turner's? A- a- Xander Bogarts went and got his. Xander Bogarts went and got his money. In San Diego, they paid him for what he's worth. And those are two really well-rounded so shortstops without holes in their game. Trey Turner did 11 years, $300 million, Gib. Right. So, so I, I guess that's really all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's not a good shortstop necessarily. I'm saying those numbers seem like a low-level all-star. You know, like, I mean, compared to, you know, when I think of break-the-bank guys, I think of your batting in the, you know, 310, 315, and hitting 30 home runs, and but, and gold glove. But I think we have to temper, well, first, that's true, but I think yeah. we have to temper our expectations, and this is the Minnesota Twins big payday guy, right? So it's going to be the fifth or sixth best at his position. Yes. It's not going to be one, yeah. two, or three. It's the Twins. It's not the Yankees, right? Exactly. So with that, I think that the deal, especially comparing it to, like, a top three guy, Trey Turner, 11 years for $300 million, Which versus, is essentially what his versus, deal is. Yeah, but it's six years. It's not. It doesn't have the handcuff. Four is long. We have the options at your seven, eight, nine, ten. I think it's a good deal moving forward. I, I 
I think he Just, will transform the locker room and this lineup, hopefully. And it is a good I don't move. think they can transform him, right? Well, no, Returning. Not, no, no, no. Not transform Correa. Correa mm-hmm. came back to transform the locker room. No, and I, I will it. say okay. this. There is something to be said about having a guy like him around. Because if he's here, and let's say Jose Miranda becomes the fifth best, best third baseman in baseball. And then you have guys that gravitate towards him. You've changed the way that your farm system and your organization can operate by putting guys, selfless, good locker room character guys in place that will make other players want to come play here, that will make younger guys want to play harder. It's it, it was an investment not only in the player, but in the organization, which we don't see the Twins do a lot. Okay, this yeah. last thing I'm going to push you guys on, because you both keep talking about good character, good character, but we started the segment by saying don't want him back because he wanted to leave the team. We're fans. Which one We're is fans. It? But which one is We're fans. We are fans. If I was a player, I'd be glad to have him back. If I was the owner, then, I'd be happy to have him back. Then as a player, you should be. Or as a fan, you should be. No. Well, not Why? right now. We, not will, right now. we will be in June. Sure. He's just playing business. The ne- yeah, the first time he knocks in a game-winning RBI or the first home run that he hits in the postseason to get us our first win in years, all of this goes out the window. What do we need now? What's left? What are the pitching, most important pitching, things? Pitching. If we can get, okay, one player. Starting pitcher? Yeah, I think that's I mean, you look at it, Male, uh, Sonny Gray should be back, Joe Ryan, and then Kenta Maeda. And then you've got guys, or, or Ober, potentially. You've got guys in your bullpen that aren't bad. Like, Duran's going to be a top-level closer this year. I think we'll have to wait and see and temper this talk because we have a lot more to get to. Yes, so. we do. We do got to move forward. Uh, let us know what you guys think about Carlos Correa coming back to the Minnesota Twins and where the Twins roster sits currently in January, yeah. long way off from playoff push. So, there we go. Uh, Aljamain Sterling is injured. Tell us about that quick. Uh, yeah, torn tricep. Uh, he was looking at a date with Henry Cejudo for, to fight for the belt. Uh, looked like late, uh, early March, late, fe- uh, late February, early March. Uh, now, obviously, not going to happen, which puts that entire division in a very interesting spot because you've got Peter Yan, who still believes he belongs in the title picture after a questionable loss to Sean O'Malley. You have Henry Cejudo, who's coming out of retirement in great shape, who wants a title shot. And they're both going to have to walk through Sean O'Malley, who is the number one contender in that weight class now, and has no reason to risk his number one contendership by fighting either one of them. Gabe, what do you think happens here? God, I hope I, I, I hope he doesn't start managing himself now and like protecting himself. I know he will. I know business-wise, you're kind of compelled to do it, but it's yep. like... It seems like UFC has had a real knack, though, for pushing those people together, whether it's through shame or, you know, I don't know how. But um, has there been an indication to say who, who, I mean, last I saw, Triple C is who they thought was going to get the first shot at him? Yep. So, they yeah, it was supposed is to be. Is that confirmed, I guess? It was supposed to be Henry Cejudo okay. versus Aljamain Sterling. Sean, o- Sean O'Malley said, I'll fight him. But here's what I would like to see in all honesty. We did not see, in in all, whatever you think about the fight. Peter Yan lost to Sean O'Malley. That was the yep. decision that was made. If with this being the current situation, the next fight that I would want to see would be Henry Cejudo versus Peter Yan because I think that is a co-main event without a title on it. And the mm. winner takes on Sean O'Malley for the interim belt if Aljamain Sterling is not back in time. The interim champion faces Aljamain on his way back. I think that is the most logical way to handle the top end of that division and give yourself clarity. Sugar Shane is in line. Um to, or I guess does he has he said he wants to fight Aljamain? Yeah, like like he wants to. Yes, and he was Aljamain's lobbying. At, he was lobbying he was at one thirty. 
or something like that. I, I thought they were five pounds apart, basically. No, no, no. This is all the same, the same weight class. Oh, man, I was convinced he was the one below, but um, sorry about that. That's why I was thrown off by this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, sorry. I'm redoing this. I don't like, I think, What do you think Sugar Shane belongs standing next to those two guys? I think the next fight that he has will tell us whether yeah. or not he belongs. I agree. And I think he has a puncher's chance or striker's chance, whatever, uh, he's for sure. A, yeah, he's a damage guy, right? Like, yeah. that's how he won the fight against Peter Yan. It was damage sustained. He may not have controlled the whole fight, but he did the most damage. And that's why I think if you yeah. want for pay-per-view value for the way that Dana wants to roll this thing up, Peter Yan's a banger. Henry Cejudo's a banger. Let those two go in there for a three-round fight. Let Sean continue to prep for five-round action. He hasn't been in a five-round fight his entire career yet. And the winner gets Sugar Sean for the interim title. I actually like just putting Sean right at Triple C because I think, first of all, Al Jermaine's bad box office. Yes. He doesn't do much for there, there. Now, if you put Triple C and Sugar against one another, you get a headline fight without putting the title on the line, and you still have one after that. And I, I don't know. I'd like to see... Triple C against Aljamain because their skill sets, you know, would be, I mean, talk about a wrestling like yeah, fantasy, clinic. right? Yep. And and I just, maybe it's just my belief that these two little rugrats are just going to ankle bite him to death. Like Sugar Sean is just, yeah. I, I think he's just, I mean, because Peter what, Yan, when he got intense and fast and like inside, yeah. he, he had some success. And Absolutely. He, and he didn't wrestle like these guys at all. But Anytime you're on the feet, Sugar Sean is at a vast reach and power advantage against even Peter Yan, who is one of the stiffest strikers at True. any weight class. True. No, he showed a ton that last, last fight. Absolutely. I have to shut my mouth on him a little bit. Like, I've not been a believer, but at the same time, man, I just still, it's like, yeah, but he's not this level. He will impress the shit out of me if he um, even just pushes either of those two guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would really be impressed. And I think we're looking at, I think what you said, because think about it, Dana's got to want to preserve him. because Got to protect him gets, just a little bit. It may not be fair, but he's the number one contender. Yeah. And even if you wanted to go Jan versus Sugar Volume 2, it's yeah. got to be in a five-round fight. If Henry Cejudo is going to fight for, uh, is going to fight, is going to do two fights in this weight class because he's aiming to be, his whole goal is to be to beat Connor to be the first guy to hold belts in three separate weight classes. The only way he's going to do that is to have to go and fight for either an interim title or Aljo's title. So you got to you got to sort it out and leave no questions about it. I hate Cejudo, by the way. Me too. And and this is also what I love is the press conference between Cejudo and Sugar would be should great, be great, great. And, and and we're not going to get that if he fights. <laughs> No. Whatever, Aljamain or, or what, you yeah. know, whatever. So yeah. it's like, I guess I just want to see that. And yeah. Aljamain, I feel bad that he's not a better draw because clearly he's got the skills, right? Yeah. Just, well, I mean, he's Francis Nagano's mini me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I've never thought of that. I don't think of him that way because I think of him as more explosive, like wrestler type. But yeah. I mean, they're the same. They're both jacked. They hold a title and they don't say shit. Yeah. So. True. That's what I, I mean, that's, that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. UFC is getting ready to kick back up. We're almost through January here, February, March, you know, Dana starts to put the stuff together for what'll be the massive cards in the summer. Right. Um, so what do we got next, Mike? Yep. Uh, Roquan Smith, five years, hundred million dollar extension. You hear that? You know what that sound is? That is the Ravens putting the final nail in Lamar Jackson's coffin to not returning to Baltimore next year. 
You cannot go out and pay a linebacker a historic $20 million per year over the next five years when you have had almost two years to pay an MVP playoff winning revolutionary built your locker room around this guy quarterback and expect him to be okay with it. Terrible. The yeah. Ravens have always been built around a good running game and a great defense, and that's what they're continuing. I'm sorry, this is Lamar's a part of that show. running game. Yeah, but he's not going to be a part of that offense next year. No, he's not. And this is why I think if the Dolphins lose this playoff game, this becomes so so interesting because the Dolphins for years have unloaded players to get picks, unloaded players to get picks, unloaded. Now you look at their roster and you go, "Whoa, they are like." a piece away from just being an absolute juggernaut. Lamar is from Miami. Now they can leverage future picks to get the player that they need to make a three-year one with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle before the cap gets really funky on them. You could probably get a hometown discount in re-signing Lamar by getting him. It, this opens up so many avenues for him, for exactly what I preached before the season even started to happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Uh, congratulations to Roquan Smith, though, who this is actually about. Uh, with Did that, you, oh, oh, sorry, guys, just one second. There's uh, another silence that I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. It's uh, media stories about Dana White hitting his wife in the face. Is that gone now? He addressed it at a press conference yesterday, I and I haven't had the chance to watch it yet. Okay. And I knew he did. I'm just, I, it's yeah. interesting to me. Like, is he going to skate? I think it's over. I think, I think it's over it. too. I think, I mean, you know what he did? She, she hit him first. Like that's well, I think the other him. part is, did you see what he did? He, uh, he quit backing or he eliminated like the, the slap league or yes. whatever. Like as this was going on, I was like, ah, oh, that's a smart business move. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> not great look there for sure. Holy crap. I just would have said I was demonstrating what the sport was all about, but to each is. <sighs> Yep. Uh, coaching vacancy headlines. Fired. <laughs> Lovey Smith out of Houston. Cliff Kingsbury, Arizona. Frank Reich, Indianapolis. Nathaniel Hackett, Denver. And a Titans assistant? All of the Titans assistants. All four of them fired. Vrabel's the only one that gets retained. Wow. Yeah. They cleaned house underneath him. I think they are ready to go into a total rebuild. And Hill will not be back next year. Malik Willis is already going to be on notice after some of the poor performances that he put up this year. I would not be surprised to see even some trade talks possibly even floated around Derrick Henry for what you could get for him uh, in this scenario, uh, as he is probably going to be looking to win a championship before his, the gas in his tank runs dry. Weird for weird situation for Tennessee. Frank Reich, um, he, he and the rest of the Indianapolis Colts organization is still suffering from the Andrew Luck decision. That guy'd still be there. And if it was Andrew Luck and Frank Reich, you're looking at a whole different scenario than Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Um, over that three-year period, they should start to climb out of that hole this upcoming season, and they're going to do it with a new head coach. Um, as far as like... So not Jeff Saturday? Probably not Jeff Saturday. Uh, the Cliff Kingsbury thing does not surprise me. I knew that Arizona... I, Called it at the beginning of the but season. you tied Kingsbury and Kyler together with their extensions. That's I, what's interesting about this. And what Arizona did I continues to Arizona. And what did I say at the beginning of the season? They were going to be the dumpster fire team, and they were going to have to pick quarterback or coach because it wasn't going to work. It didn't, and they decided to side with Kyler, which as bad as Cliff Kingsbury is, I still think is the wrong decision, yeah. in my opinion, because 
That's the leader of the guys on the field is Kyler. The leader of the locker room and the organization is Cliff. One is a little bit easier to control than the other. Right. Um, so that that's going to be an interesting scenario. I don't know if he goes stays in the pros or heads back to college. He goes down. For um, sure. And then, you know, you look at Nathaniel Hackett. Just couldn't hack it, man. Well, I think. I mean, he was brought in the entire time them thinking that they were going to get Rodgers. Correct. Which, interestingly enough, now with Rodgers' future up in the air, you saw it this last offseason. They bring back his quarterback coach. They struggle this year without him. Aaron Rodgers doesn't know if he's going to return. Green Bay is just going to, Rodgers is going to say, pick up the phone. If you can bring Nathaniel Hackett back, I'll be back. Because they are are this close. So I think that's probably where he heads back to. And then the Houston thing just doesn't make any sense to me. Why hire a placeholder head coach if you're just going to fire him after a year? Because That's that's exactly what he was. He was a placeholder. I I totally get it. But you look at the top guys. Like you look at coaches across the board now who are going to want to be successful or going to want to have the leash to rebuild in Houston. And... It's not like they hired Lovey Smith and went, yeah, he's a placeholder. We just need a coach for this year. They were like, that's our head coach. And then after that first year, they let him go. So if you're a available coach in the NFL right now, I don't know if I take the interview from Houston. Wasn't there a big controversy about Houston hiring like diverse coaches or something? Oh, he was. Yeah, it was something. Yeah. I mean, the Rooney rule and all that other stuff definitely played into that hiring. So. I purposely think I think I saw it right when they hired him. They hired a, di- a coach from a diverse background for one year. He was a clear placeholder with a bad roster. They knew that they were going to fire him and move on. I don't think there's a plan in place in Houston right now. They're so rattled by the whole Deshaun Watson thing. Still, they've still never really had a head coach. Their best attempt at it was a Bill O'Brien. But think about the Houston Texans since they came into the NFL in 2002, Nick. Dumpster fire. Who's their best head coach? Bill O'Brien. Yeah. They need a head coach. They need man. a head coach. Head coach, quarterback, offensive line. That's where you got to start in the NFL. And guess what? The Houston Texans have oh for three. None of yeah. them. So a um, couple of coaches that will be uh looking for jobs. Sean Payton, uh, reportedly heavily tied to Denver. Now he's gonna have his pick of whatever situation he wants to go to, to include returning to New Orleans. So if you're offering Sean Payton, you better come with an offer and have a plan in place and give him control to do so um denver looks like they would do so um any other situations that you see him fitting into no i think denver's the one uh they have who they think is a franchise quarterback well now you go ahead and look at his performance in week 18 where he gets outside the pocket and you see a little bit more seattle in that playbook and you go "Mm, there's a little rust in there so is it is it attainable yeah but once again Kind of the same feeling the Twins have about Carlos Correa at this point. Like, I don't necessarily know if I want him here anymore. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting offseason with the coaching carousel happening. Do you think Harbaugh goes anywhere? Yeah, I think he's being forced out of Michigan. Uh, he's uh, that's all the, the everything that I've read is with the NIL deals and the type of money that he's going to be requesting after getting his team to the playoffs in back to back years, moving them past Ohio State. Um, there's there's a mutual parting of ways that is coming for him, uh, and he's going to have his pick of whatever job Sean Payton doesn't get. That's how that's going to turn out. I think Harbaugh in Denver makes sense if Payton decides to go back to New Orleans. Um, otherwise, you're looking at, I think he's a great fit in Indianapolis um, to draft uh, a young quarterback, running back already in place, tough-nosed defense already in place, something that he was super familiar with from his days back in San Francisco. Um Otherwise, 
I don't see him taking the Arizona job. I don't, you know, there just isn't a lot of other culture fits for him because Carolina. <laughs> I don't necessarily see that either because I don't think him and Tepper, from a personality standpoint, would get along. So, do you go if you're Houston? Do you call Jim Harbaugh and say GM and coach? Yes, and at least that offer it to your, him. That would turn your franchise around. You got you'd almost have to give him the Gruden the deal. Gruden deal. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, it's the, gonna be. Oh, I was gonna say, what's the book on him as far as like like is he sort of insufferable? Yes, because it yeah, seems like a, he moves oh, yeah. on from a lot of yeah. like has success and still gets moved on. He rubs people the wrong way because much like Aaron Rodgers, he has a very prickly demeanor. Yeah. Um, in college, that works because those are children that have to listen to you. In the pros, a little bit different. You know what I mean. So he's going to have to be in a scenario where he is the judge, jury, and executioner of whatever program and culture he's trying to put in place. Agreed. It's going to be an interesting coaching carousel to watch this offseason. But with that, that is all that we have for you guys today. Do you want to talk about the fact that Kyler Murray pretty much has already picked his coach? Who's that? Jonathan Gannon, offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, mobile quarterback. Open it up. Something a little bit more to into Kyler style. Philadelphia's offense all year has been pretty good with Jalen Hurts at the helm. Only quarterback. It's probably because they have the best offensive line in football. Also very true. Um, but now, I mean, the Arizona, Arizona, Arizona situation just continues to get pricklier because DeAndre Hopkins wants out now. Yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting NFL offseason. Very. Just, we've just hit oh, it. We haven't so played excited. any wildcard football yet. So. We'll uh we'll see. Yeah, I'll flip back to those six and zero versus the uh, West at home. Great defense, all those weapons. Can't wait until I'm next gonna week. I'm gonna win a dollar. I'm gonna win a dollar. I'm I'm gonna win a dollar. I'm gonna win a dollar. All right, with that, guys, you can always find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube, Patreon, and Twitch. MCN six here in the Minnesota Twins or Minneapolis Twin Cities area. Uh, you can also catch us on MCN six outside of the Twin Cities area if you have Roku. Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique New York. KSTTPV. Yeah. Yep. KSTPTV. Yeah. KSTPTV. There you go, Mike. Uh, as always, glad to have you guys with us on yet another wonderful Thursday afternoon at this point, I think. Um, and big thanks to our guest. Yeah, absolutely. Massive, massive thanks to Chris Long uh, for joining us on Monday to be a part of this Thursday's show. We will be back with you guys next week uh, to discuss the fallout from the NFL Super wild card weekend. Um, and, you know, more uh, NBA news as we creep up on the deadline. Are the wild going to be able to fix it, uh, get it fixed? Uh, the UFC is going to be spinning back up. I know with Javante Davis's win, uh, Ryan Garcia news, uh, heavy on the minds of a lot of people in the boxing community. And we will be here to go through all of it with you. Until next time, stay safe, take care, have fun. Can't change that outro, dude. Can't. It's too This will be the, the timing. one. This will be the one that sticks with us forever. You're goddamn right. MBC. No relation to NBC.